Amen. Good morning, everyone. Thank you for uh, allowing me to be here. My name is Johnny Marks. I'm the lead pastor at our Cypress campus. It's a joy to be with a different part of the family. Uh, it's nice to see everyone. Um, my wife is here with me, Lindsay, and we have three daughters. Uh, I have teenage daughters. And so if you find it in your wheelhouse to pray more, I would really appreciate it if you put me on your list. Um, they're amazing girls, Allie, Emma, and Lily, and uh, God has just put tremendous things in them. I can't wait to see what he does in their life. Um, raising kids is difficult, you know, and uh, what we become as parents is teachers at times, right? At times we, we teach them things. We talked last week uh, at Cyprus about how we don't, our goal is not to raise good Christian kids. Our goal is to make disciples of our children. And there's a difference in how we parent. If you're just raising them to be good moral people, that, that you can accomplish that one way. But to make them disciples of Jesus takes something a little different. And so they learn from us, right? Uh, when they're little, you don't realize they're learning, especially at your first one. Because your first one, you don't realize until they start saying the things that you didn't think they heard you were saying. <laughs> you remember that? Yeah, they're like, oh, we should probably start talking a little differently in the house, or we should probably stop doing this because they learn from us. I've had teachers all throughout the years. I know you have too. My first grade teacher, Mrs. Hoipel, great name. But she taught me about kindness. I learned kindness from her. She had this gigantic hairdo. It was, I mean, it was amazing. Second grade, I learned how not to get put in the closet. This is not okay but this happened in my second grade classroom. Mrs. Cagley, she looked the way it sounds. She was mean, and I learned how not to get put in the back closet from Mrs. Cagley. And I learned a lot from my father. My father taught me how to respect women. He taught me the value of contentment. And my father taught me uh, what real beauty is. Just tell me a few things. I also learned how to be angry from my father. We learn, don't we? we? We are taught things and we teach other people things. Uh, from the man who led me to Christ and taught me how to be a pastor, I learned how to care for people. He brought me into spaces that I shouldn't have been allowed into. I got brought into secret pastor meetings. Right? I got brought into counseling sessions that I had no business being in. And he just said, I want you to watch and pay attention and learn. And he would teach me how to pastor and I've learned a lot from the church, both good and bad. So have you. I've learned that the church can wound worse than the world. And I've learned that the church can bring hope and life into a lost and dying world. I've learned those things. And because we do teach, I always, I wonder sometimes whether or not I'm teaching the right things. Have you ever asked that? If somebody was following you, by watching what you said and watching what you did, what would they learn? What are we teaching others as we go? Some of you are here because somebody taught you. Somebody brought you to Jesus and they taught you how to be a follower of Jesus. And so you sit here because you've learned how to follow Jesus. And being a part of the church family is part of that. Some of you have maybe not been taught. Have you ever asked yourself, what have I learned? What have I been discipled to know and to do? Right? Maybe you're here today and you're like, I don't even know what this discipling thing is. That's a new word for me. Uh, I don't even know if anybody's teaching me anything, but I know I want to be here. Uh, I'm glad you're here. 
We are all teaching something and we are all learning something at the same time, aren't we? Today, my hope is as we dive into this set, the last part of the Great Commission, that we will have a more well-rounded understanding of what it is we're supposed to teach and why, and maybe even give it a little bit of a how in the middle. That's my hope today. So we're going to break it down. Uh, to recap, we've been in Matthew chapter 28, and it says this. This is the Great Commission, Matthew chapter 28. It says, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. This is the words of Jesus. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. And I know uh, Pastor Icky, he talked about a sandwich or something. He talked about a sandwich, and so I'm not going to try to recap his sermons because I wasn't here for those. But I do know that we've talked about making disciples of all nations, all ethnicities, having a wide circle of people that we are invested in because that's what we are called to. Right? We talked about the going. Right? We talked about the going while we are going teach. We'll touch on that a little bit today. And then we talked about baptizing last week. It was a good message to identify with Christ. And today we're going to talk about the teaching. And it says in my Bible, it says, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. To teach. What is it to teach? We're going to break down this very small section and then we're going to kind of talk about what it means for our life. To teach is to give away. It doesn't say teach them to know all things. Does it? It doesn't say teaching them to know everything I have commanded you. It says teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. Teaching them to obey. To teach somebody something, there's a couple different ways we do this. Sometimes we teach, if you teach like a, as a professor, you stand there and you give a bunch of information, right? You teach. The best teachers that you've had are not the people that stand there and just give you information, is it? You can think right now of those teachers. I had a history teacher in college, junior college. I hated history until I met this, this professor. It was back when they still had chalkboards, like the green, the green chalkboards and the white chalk, and he would be up there. This guy would get so worked up. He was like, he, he was severely, he was overweight, but he was passionate and convicted when he taught about history. And he would smack the chalkboard, and by the time he was done, this is no joke, he would be sweating profusely. He'd be covered in chalk. There'd be this fine layer of dust hovering above the classroom of chalk, and he'd walk outside and smoke a cigarette. <laughs> the dude was passionate, and I learned more in one semester of that history class than I learned in all of the years of my English, or in, in my um, history class in high school. See, what Scott taught me to be a pastor, he took me with him, right? The scripture says, go therefore. That, that word go is while you are going. It's not just ascending, but a coming with. That's to teach. That's what Jesus did. I want to look at how Jesus taught his disciples. He gave away what he knew and gave them the opportunity as disciples to do also what he was doing. Last week we talked, or two weeks ago we talked in the going. There's a difference between being a kingdom-minded disciple maker and a DoorDash disciple maker. Right? We like to be DoorDash disciples, don't we? We want it all to come to us. 
Let the church provide everything for us. Let everybody tell us what we're supposed to do. As long as I don't get into too much trouble, nobody will look at me. And we want it all to come to us. And it sounds good, the DoorDash disciple. Inadvertently, though, we create more people like that. And what Jesus did was something altogether different. He says, while we go, let me teach you about the character of God and the kingdom of God. And so as they went, that's what he did. And he gave them opportunities. Think about it. The feeding of the 4,000 and the 5,000. Jesus gave them an opportunity to watch the power of God at work as they walked in obedience. Remember, it's to teach them everything I have commanded you, like to do, obey it. So the 4,000, 5,000, there's these people, and what do the disciples say? Send them home. We We can't do this. How are we supposed to feed all these people? And Jesus says, no, no, no. Let me teach you about the power of God. So he says, go collect what we have. So as they walked in obedience, as they went and collected the fish and the loaves, came back, he prays, and they see the miraculous power of God at work. As they obeyed, they got to learn about the character of God and the kingdom of God. And that's how Jesus taught them to obey all these things. How about, uh, about prayer? He taught them in the garden, right? Teaching them to obey. Jesus in the garden before he is arrested and he says, hey guys, come over here, watch and pray. Watch and pray. It's very simple, very simple instructions. Watch and pray. And I I can't knock them. I probably would have fallen asleep too. But to walk in obedience in that moment would have been what? For them to watch and pray, right? It would have been to stay awake and pray with him. He invited them in to obey, gave them opportunities both to succeed and fail. Think about it like this. We have to teach as we go. And there's, I want you to give you, I'm going to do my best to give you some time to write it down if you want to. The first thing is we can't be stationary as we teach. If we're going to go and teach, we can't be stationary. We can't get locked into our schedules. We can't get stuck in our routines. Otherwise, we won't go. It takes action to be a disciple maker and to teach people everything that he's commanded them to do. Don't be stationary. Never go alone and be intentional. Jesus was always with somebody, except a few times he went off by himself to pray, to be with the Lord, but he invited people into what he was doing, right? If he was going to the grocery store, he would have brought a disciple along. If he was going to meet with a friend, he would have brought a disciple along. If you, go, if you went to Lowe's, he would have brought a disciple along. The third thing is that everything points to God and to Jesus Everything in the world, Jesus used a fig tree, he used fish, he used taxes, he used so many different things to teach them about the character of God and the kingdom of God as they went, right? They met a garrison demoniac, he taught them about the power of God and the the forgiveness and the mercy of God, right? Trees and people and circumstances, who knew you could learn about God from taxes? But he used that too. And the last thing is that we, he called people up. He didn't let them settle for easy. While Jesus taught, he never let them settle for easy. He called them into the difficult lessons too. And this will go to our next thing. He let them feel the storm. While they were in the boat and the squall came up, you guys know the story. Jesus was asleep at the front of the boat. He didn't just take away the difficult things. 
He allowed them to go through it with him. And if we're going to be disciple makers and take our cue from Jesus, because he says this, go do these things. And what he did, if you look at all of Matthew, which we're not going to do right now, unless you want to, just kidding, is he showed them how before he asked them to do it. You notice that if you read, go back and look, Matthew 1, all the way to 28, he shows them how to go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, teaching them to obey everything that he has commanded them, baptizing them, and so forth and so on. He shows them, and then he asks them. So that's the teaching part. He teaches them. That's the how. How do we teach people to follow Jesus? We're not stationary. We invite people along. We, we make sure that we make the connections from everyday things to the character of God and the kingdom of God. And we call people up and we don't let them settle for easy because he taught them to obey the hard things too. Let's talk about obedience. Everybody loves that word, right? All the kids are like, I hate that word. Yes, amen. I got you. We're, we're on the same page, me and you. Obedience is hard. Obedience is hard, right? We like the blessings of obedience, but we don't like to obey all the time. Is there anybody else that's rebellious in this room except for me? Anybody else? Bunch of liars. There's like four people that raise their hand. You guys know you're in church? This is the house of God. And y'all lying in church? Listen, we love to rebel. We hate to obey. We like to obey the stuff that, that works well for us, right? We like the fact that salvation is for us, even though we don't deserve it. But it's difficult sometimes to obey the commandment to forgive others as he has forgiven you, is it not? We like the mercy of God, but it's difficult sometimes when we are commanded to show mercy as he has shown to us. See, it doesn't say in my Bible, teaching them to oh, uh, sometimes obey, right? Or to decide when they want to obey. It says obedience. This obedience is to follow through, to actually do, to hold on to these things. God says to do it, and we say, yes, Lord. And it's not just the ones we want either, because the next line says what? Teach them to obey some things, the easy things, the suggested things. He says, teach them to obey everything that I have commanded you. And we're good. We teach, listen, we, because we like to raise moral people. By the way, did you know that the point of our faith is to not be moral? Morality is a product of our obedience. Our job as Christians to be followers of Jesus Christ, to be in a loving relationship with the Father, is complete and utter surrender and devotion to him and him alone. What does he tell us? What's the greatest commandment? If we're to teach to obey everything he has commanded, let's start at the most important. What is it? Go ahead. What is it? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. And the second is just as important Love others as yourself. God first, others second, me third. If you want to put it into simple terms. If you, want to, if you want to help disciple people to be fully devoted followers of Jesus Christ, then we have to start at that thing, right? John 14 says like this. John 14 says, 
uh, in verse 15, if you love me, if it's, if the goal is to love him, it says, if you love me, you will obey what I command. You will obey what I command. If you love me, how many of you love God? Oh, see, that was an easy layup. Y'all didn't raise your hand on the harder one though. How many of you love God? Raise them up real high. Okay, keep them up if you are rebellious. <laughs> Trick question, you put your hands down. I saw a couple hands go down. Listen, this is hard. This isn't easy. Following Jesus isn't easy. It's better. But it's not easy. And if we're going to make disciples as disciples, we have to get this thing right. He taught us to obey everything he commanded him. It says, if you look at just the 10, we're not going to go through the 10 because that's not what this is about. To love God above all things and let there be no idols. If we just started there, we'd have a lot of work to do. What things in your life have you elevated above God and Jesus what things in your life are more important to you do you put more time, effort, money, and energy into that is God and Jesus? Those things are idols. And I don't know what they are for you. I'm not here to tell you what your idols are. I am telling you, though, that we have a tendency, sometimes itself, to elevate ourselves above God. Well, if we're going to obey everything he commanded, the first thing is to submit and surrender everything to him and to not elevate anything above him. James 1.22 says this. It says, don't merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Do what it says. So what is it that we're to obey? All things that he has commanded us. Everything that he has commanded us. They're not suggestions. Now we do get suggestions from a lot of different places, don't we? Right? We get suggestions from school and work and friends and the media and all sorts of other places. They give us suggestions about what we should obey in this world. And all of those suggestions, though, without understanding the whole word of God, leave us wanting and actually following something or someone that we're not supposed to. It's very clear. We know the easy ones, right? Don't lie, don't steal, don't cheat, don't murder, all the things. But if we just went, if you just read one of the gospels and looked at all the things that he's commanded us, because it's the whole word of God, right? To be a learner, to be a follower of Jesus means we don't just pick and choose, but we have to take the whole word of God, cover to cover. The whole counsel of God is what he's asking us to do. As we know, the whole scripture is God breathed. Hello. <laughs> it's nice to finally meet you in the back. Right? There's these things. All the scriptures God breathed. So from the Old Testament to the New Testament is valuable in teaching us to know God and understand his kingdom. But we don't always do that, do we? We have a tendency to teach the things that elevate ourselves and minimize what he's calling us to. We have a tendency. Not all of us do this. Sometimes, maybe it's just me. But we have a tendency to do this. To pick and choose the things that are comfortable for us because it's difficult to obey everything that he has commanded us. Let's talk about the easy ones. 
You guys know the easy ones, right? So ones we teach our kids. What about mercy? What about forgiveness? You know my, my least favorite scripture in the Bible? I'm just gonna be straight up. And this will reveal how that I need help still. I'm still following Jesus. I don't have it figured out. The scripture says, leave room for God's vengeance. He says, it is mine to avenge. He says, don't repay evil with evil, but repay evil with good. I sit and tell God all the time. I'm like, God, I, I hear that. I see that, but I'm not quite sure that I can do that. See, because my life experience and the longer you live in the world, you recognize that life isn't fair. It's not fair that my children have to deal with certain things that they deal with. Now they get a little uncomfortable now when we start talking about scriptures like that. It's a lot easier to say, oh God, mercy and grace, and it's fabulous. Let's go to church and we'll raise our hands and we'll have lunch together and then we'll go and live our life. To teach people to obey all things means the hard stuff too. How about laying your life down for others if you want to truly love them to lay down your life? What, is it, what does it look like when you have to upset your schedule in order to accommodate someone else's? Are you, are you open and are your eyes wide enough to see the needs of others even if it inconveniences you? See, because the things that Jesus did while he and his disciples went, they got interrupted constantly. Did you, do you ever see this? The woman that we talk about, the woman who had been bleeding for years and years and years, that was in the midst of another ministry opportunity, right? Jesus was going, they were dealing with something else and she interrupted that and he stopped what he was doing and he attended to her because we're supposed to do that as Christians, as followers of Jesus, he showed us how. And I'm not going to sit here and just give you spoon feed. You know, listen, do you know the word to obey the word? See, we can't teach other people if we don't know it ourselves. If we're not in the word, the whole word cover to cover, how do we know what to teach? Now, I will tell you this. If you know a little, teach a little. What you know, give away. This is about giving away the keys to the kingdom of God. And it comes through Jesus Christ. Right? We're calling people. Look, come with me as I follow Jesus. Let's, let me show you how to do it. How about failure? Do we ever teach people how to fail? There's this, um, there's this quote that we all know. Failure is not an option. You ever heard that one? Man, they got that stuff posted up at your corporation, at your business, at the restaurant, in the back, at the school. Failure is not an option. You know what, though? It is inevitable. Failure might not be an option, but it is inevitable. And you know what we really are terrible at as the church? Failing. And not just the church, but people in general. I didn't come here to beat you up. I'm just trying to say something true so that we can figure out how to do it different. But as a church, we don't fail well. Here's what I mean. How many Christian leaders have fallen and failed and then tried to make excuses or cover it up because it was uncomfortable? How many people have you been burned by in the church who failed and didn't own it? Do we teach our kids to fail well? Or do our kids grow up believing that failure is not an option? If they do, then their life is over. 
We have a great example about how to fail. His name's David. You guys know David, King David? King David, the reason he was a man after God's own heart was not because he was perfect or blameless or sinless. Because we know about King David. King David was an adulterer. King David was a murderer, in fact. Right? He, he was supposed to be at war, and he was at home chillaxing. That's what it says in my version. He was hanging out, and he was gazing at Bathsheba, and he goes and he takes another man's wife. And then, in order to cover it up, he piles on the one sin by bringing her husband home and trying to finagle the situation to cover it up. And then he has him killed. But you know what makes him a man after God's heart? Is this thing. When Nathan came to confront David, this is one of my favorites and it's a gut wrencher. He was confronted by the prophet Nathan and Nathan gives him this story. And he's like, yeah, you know, he gets him good. And David starts getting fired up about this, this person. Oh, and he takes the little guy's lamb. Who is this man? He's going to go get him. And Nathan is standing there. He's like, it's you. And here's what makes David a man after God's heart. He's cut to the core. He owns his sin. He accepts the consequences and he doesn't run away from God, but he submits and surrenders himself and he keeps on going after him. Do you know what would happen if the people who are in this room learned that their failure wasn't the end of their story, that they didn't have to cover it up, but that we could actually, we could own it and love each other anyway. I, I feel bad for my wife. She's got to deal with me all the time. But you know what? I hope that my kids will learn this one thing that as you follow Christ in your failure, you can still follow Christ. I wonder what the church would look like if we did that better. Do we teach people that lesson? We all want to be holy, right? We all want to be holy. That work's been done, y'all. That work's been done and it's not by your effort or by your trying harder. That work was done on the cross and through the power of the resurrection. That's why you're holy. The mystery of the gospel is crazy. Because we have been made righteous in the eyes of God through Jesus Christ. We accept him and that righteousness is ours. But on this earth, we're still wrestling. Do we teach about prayer, about wrestling with God at all? I had a, a, a father, I, I sat on the floor with this man who, who was at his wit's end. And he was so angry because his life was falling apart. And I asked him this question, have you talked to God about it? And he, his eyes got big. He goes, well, what do you mean? I said, have you told God how angry you are? He said, I didn't know I was allowed to. Did you know you're allowed to wrestle with God? Now I'll tell you, if you venture down that road to wrestle with God, you might get a limp. But he leaves room for that. Did you know, are we teaching people how to wrestle with God and pray and be honest? Instead of being a pious Christian to stand and go, oh God, thank you for your many blessings. Instead, standing and beating her chest, oh God, have mercy on me. I'm a sinner. To obey all things. Why do we teach them this? We're almost done. Why do we teach them to obey everything he has commanded? Because our relationship with him is on the line. 
Because to be fully devoted followers of Jesus Christ, to see the kingdom of heaven now, it will require a people who are willing to submit and surrender every day and obey all the things that he's commanded us to do. Think about it like this. If you and I are friends, what's your name? Stephen, it's good to know you. Johnny Mark, pleasure to meet you. Stephen and I are friends and we have a relationship together. If I continue to lie to Stephen, how do you think our relationship is going to build? Is it going to be a strong one or a weak one? Weak one. I won't do that. But the more times that we can, even in failure, man, I'm really sorry that I screwed that up. I'm sorry that I hurt you. I'm sorry that I said that. It was my fault. Please forgive me. And he offers kindness and forgiveness. And then we do this thing together, right? Our relationship strengthens and strengthens and strengthens. As parents, your love for your children is not determined by their failure or success rate, is it? The love is perfect, but your relationship is affected. Y'all have teenagers, you know what I'm talking about. You love that child, but you don't like them all the time. Right? Because you talk to your friends about it. At coffee, and at lunch, and at that one time on the back patio when nobody else was home and the neighbors couldn't hear you yelling about it. The love is the same, but the relationship is affected. We teach people to obey everything he has commanded because our relationship with him is affected. God wants intimacy with us. He wants an intimate relationship. Now, this is not about salvation. You can't make God love you more by doing more right things than wrong things. That's not what this is about. But in a practical, relational way, just as we find with one another, our relationship is different. So we walk in obedience, right? To fulfill this wonderful commission. To see people who are dead come to life. To see people who are lost and far off come into the family of God and experience forgiveness and grace and mercy. Do you want to know why we raise and teach people to obey everything that he has commanded? It is not so that you and I would be elevated or at the end of this life, somebody will have your name in lights. It is so that the name of Jesus will be elevated and that the kingdom of God will be filled with as many people as possible. And we do it every single day until we die. This is your purpose, to wake up every day. Oh God, would you show me who to make a disciple of today, to teach and to love and to go with and to help them follow everything and to do that with every single person without question or worry about whether they look like you or walk like you or any of those things, but to make disciples of all nations as you go so that we can fill the kingdom of God with as many people as possible and you do it every day until you die. And if we do that as a church, we will fulfill our purpose on this earth. You will have more hope and joy because you know that your purpose is more than your 401k or whatever's on your gravestone because it's all going to burn anyway and it doesn't matter. You are a disciple of Jesus. And you are to make disciples of Jesus. And that's the only name that matters as we do it. Listen, if you've been wounded by the church, you've not been taught how to do this, I want to encourage you. I'm going to be in Cyprus later. 
But I know people here who are going to be here who would love to walk with you and teach you to obey all things. Find somebody, take hold of their cloak and say, let me walk with you. Would you teach me all these things? Pay attention. Be intentional. What would happen if this group, just this group, 11 o'clock's not here yet. What would happen if this group did these things? I wonder what the church would look like or could look like. Could you imagine? Think about it. Think about the schools your kids will grow up in, your grandkids will grow up in. If the church could take hold of this. I know it's not easy. I know it's not easy. But we have a wonderful teacher in Jesus and he promised the Holy Spirit to give us these things as he's preparing a place for us in heaven even. You have what you need in him. We just have to go and do it. We're going to end like we always do. I'm going to invite our prayer folks up this way and I'm going to ask if, uh, if you need prayer for anything, healing or work, for forgiveness, maybe you don't know Jesus and you'd like to. This time is for you. Maybe you need to pray for a son or a daughter who is prodigal or a friend who is lost. Or maybe you harbor intense bitterness. I'm just going to ask that you come and lay it before the Lord as we sing and pray that it will be available to you. Father, I do ask in Jesus' name that as we pray and as we worship together, oh Lord, that you would make us a whole together. That you would knit our hearts and that you would teach us to do all of it, not just the fun parts. I pray you call those who need it to pray. And Father, as we worship that we would do so with deep conviction and passion because you are worthy. We ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.